welcome to the Prodigy Maker Show with Chris Lewitt. Chris Lewitt is an internationally recognized high-performance coach, educator, and author of two best-selling books, The Tennis Technique Bible and The Secrets of Spanish Tennis. Tune in weekly as Chris answers questions live from around the world and discusses topics in junior development, technical and tactical training, Spanish tennis methods and philosophies, and more. The show can be watched live at youtube.com forward slash Chris Lewitt. And now, here's Chris. Online and give you guys a good talk, good discussion about the Western grip and Iga Sviatek, Novak Djokovic, Rafael Nadal, and other champions who are playing with a Western or near Western grip in today's modern game and how the game is changing, the game's evolving, and how I believe the Western grip is becoming more palatable and more acceptable at the high level of the game. Swiatek is the prime example, the, the, the example that after watching her play and watching her compete, watching her technique very closely, I'm writing a new book on technique right now, you guys know about the Spanish tennis book. I wrote, a, I wrote The Secrets of Spanish Tennis in 2014, which is a very popular book on Spanish tennis. But before that, I wrote a book on technique called The Tennis Technique Bible. That was one of my first books. And I'm looking to update that book because some of the information is getting older. I wrote that book back in 2009. I think there's a lot of great information in that book, but I'm looking to write a, a new technical book. So I've been doing a lot of technical research. And one of the things I was doing is watching some of the best women in the world. So I was watching Suyatek and her, her, for her, her ground strokes are very interesting. For one, she's very cramped. She doesn't extend a lot which is remarkable, especially on her back end and forehand. If you look at her arm and arm structure, uh, they are, she has a, a significant bend in her arm. She really doesn't extend that much, so her spacing is not ideal, certainly not optimal the way we see a lot of top players hit. But her, what really fascinated me the most was her grip structure, the structure of her forehand grip. And she has a full Western forehand on bevel five. So, for those of you who may not be familiar with the USPTA or PTR beveling system, there are eight bevels on the racket handle. And typically players have a semi-Western grip, which is on bevel four of the handle. If you look at the index knuckle, and you can also look at the, the palm about where it rests on the handle. But typically I look at the index knuckle and I just sort of line up the index knuckle with uh, the bevel. And Sviatek is, is on the side of the racket with her palm uh, well under the grip in a, a full bevel five or panel five Western grip. And to my knowledge, I don't think there's been a number one player in the world with the full Western grip like that ever in the game. Correct me if I'm wrong, guys. I would like feedback on that, but just my, uh, to my recollection, I don't think there's ever been a dominant number one player. I believe Sviatek's won three Grand Slams uh, who has, who has used that extreme a grip and not had uh, pro some of the problems associated with the Western grip that I'd like to talk about on the, on the show a little bit with you guys. If you guys have any questions about the Western grip, the semi-Western grip, different grip structures for the forehand, please let me know. I think it'll make for an interesting discussion and I'm happy to answer any developmental questions, questions about what grips juniors should use 
and whether the Western grip is viable. But I think it is more viable in today's game. I think there's some reasons for that. And I'd like to talk about that more as well. I wanted to talk about some of the myths of the Western grip, uh, the way I see it, you know, what's true and what's not true. Because a lot of times in today's game, at the developmental level, you see coaches who will almost reflexively change a grip that's considered, quote unquote, extreme. And I sometimes think that's a mistake, that sometimes you should let a kid uh, experiment and, and grab the handle in the way they feel comfortable. And if they're, they're able to hit with power and they're able to hit the ball cleanly, that that grip may work for them at a very high level. And I, I think that's obviously what happened with Sviatek. She holds the racket very, in a very extreme way and she hits uh, very well with that four and it's, it's actually her dominant shot. I think there's a big disconnect with what we see on the Pro Tour with players like Nadal and players like Djokovic who are essentially playing with the same grip. Uh, they're near Western between bevel four and bevel five uh, with the index knuckle. So they're, they're close to a Western grip and they're very, very successful. Nadal has won 22 slams and reached number one, of course, and Djokovic is probably, arguably the greatest player in the modern game now. And he also has a near Western grip. He has 24 slams, I believe, at last count. So these are, these are just examples of number one players, but there are many other players with Western to near Western grips in the game. As you may know, if you have a comment, just shoot, uh, shoot your favorite player who has a Western grip. Uh, throughout history, there's, there's always been some players who held the racket that way, from a Berisategui uh, to uh, Sergio Bruguero is quite Western and on the women's side, like a Conchita Martinez, and many, many players over the course of time have had a Western grip or near Western grip. Another number one that comes to mind is Guga Querten, Gustavo Querten, who was not quite full Western, but certainly pretty close. And he also reached number one, but more, more dominant on clay courts. But I think nowadays you see players who have a Western and near Western who are dominant on everything. And one of the reasons for that is because the courts are getting slower, the balls are getting slower, and the balls are bouncier. So right, right then and there, you have a change at the top level of the game where, where it's a bit easier to handle low balls. And I think you know, getting into the midst of the Western Four, and that is one of the concerns that people typically have, is that you won't be able to handle low balls with the Western grip. And so I'd like to address that. I'd like to address the myth that it's difficult to take the ball on the rise. And I'd like to address the myth that it's hard to hit with depth and pace. And I'd like to address the myth that the Western grip always causes a lot of mishits because um, some of those are myths and some of those, there are some exceptions to those, those myths that I mentioned. So why don't we address those you know, one at a time and then we can talk about maybe some of the advantages of a Western grip, but potential disadvantage of the Western grip. You have Misshits. Does the Western grip cause more misshits? And I think that it certainly makes sense that it does for a lot of kids and a lot of players and you know, adults included, uh, because the grip is, uh, the, the way the racket face is oriented, it's pretty extreme and closed, and the player has to rotate their forearm uh, to, to level out the racket face at impact. And typically the Western grip impact is more in front of the body, than with, say, an Eastern grip. And it's, 
it's sometimes difficult to get the racket face square to the ball and that can create uh, um, ang an angled racket face and it can create situations where when the player is trying to brush that they catch the frame. So I think for most people it's probably true that the Western grip can cause a bit more misses, but I think at the same time elite players, players who are talented can oftentimes overcome that and learn to to swing and hit the ball cleanly. So I think yes and no. It, it's a bit of a, it, it's definitely, there's some truth to that idea, but also I think players like Sviatek, Djokovic, Nadal and others have shown, Bertini comes to mind, uh, uh, Jack Sock comes to mind. There's lots of, you know, everyone has their favorite player with an extreme Western grip if you're a fan of that grip. Or you might point to those players as, as having uh, as, as being, being problem, those grips being problematic for those players, but I think a lot of good players have learned to orient the racket face and hit the ball cleanly with practice. Maybe that's, maybe that's something you could argue is better for more talented kids. Uh, certainly if you have a cleaner grip like Alcaraz, you know, Alcaraz is a rising star, great player, and he plays with a, a grip like Federer, which is more of a composite grip between bevel three and bevel, uh, and bevel four. So like, you know, very uh, Eastern to, between Eastern and semi-Western is uh, uh, the grip of Roger Federer and Carlos Alcaraz. So I think certainly with a grip like that, you're gonna be able to strike the ball more cleanly. Your, your palm is not as much under the handle and the racket face is oriented uh, more vertically, which makes it easier to hit the ball clean, especially you know, we, usually we, we, we say that Western grip players tend to break down under pressure, like they'll miss it and shank the ball under pressure in important moments. That's always something that I've, I've sort of accepted as a truth in the game, but I think that may be changing to a certain extent with some of the, at least at, at the high level. When you see someone like Sviatek who does occasionally miss it, but she, she's able to hit the ball as clean as she needs to, to win slams. So, I mean, really, that's the ultimate test of a grip, is able to win slams. Uh, maybe you could argue, as some famous coaches do, if some famous coaches say, look at this player. They, if, they had an East, if they had more conservative grips, they could win X amount more grand slams, or they could win more tournaments. I think that, that sort of uh, analysis is, is sketchy. Like, how, how do you know for sure? You know, maybe, maybe they would play worse with it. Maybe that's not the way they... They, they can feel the game. That's not the way they feel their forehand with a different grip structure. So it, it's hard to sort of take uh, a step back and say this player could be better if they, if they didn't have this grip or, or, or so on. But a lot of top coaches do make that analysis. It's kind of interesting. Uh, so what's another myth? We talked about depth and pace. Certainly there's some truth to that, and, but I think also some falsehood. It is for some players, harder to hit the ball deep and with power. I've had players who are petite, girls, some boys who don't have a lot, I think a lot of this relates to fast twitch fibers. They don't have a lot of power in their body. They don't have a lot of fast twitch uh, fiber types. And with the Western grip, especially if it's like a bevel five or a bevel six, bevel six is the most extreme Western that I've ever seen. And that's where you're basically using a continental grip for the serve and you flip it over and you hit the other side of the racket. That's a bevel six. That one, for me, is I usually try to change it because it's so extreme 
I think you do see a lot of misses. I think you do see players who struggle uh, with hitting depth and with pace. But at the same time, again, I work with a lot of talented kids who are very athletic. If they have a live arm and they're very explosive with fast switch fiber types, they can hit the ball very, very hard, even with a bevel five Western grip. I have a girl I'm training with right now who has a bevel five, five and a half. I wish she was closer to five, so it's pretty extreme already. And I think she's slipping to bevel six, which I don't like, but she's able to rip the ball extremely powerfully and she has no issue with creating pace or depth on the shot. At the same time, I can remember in my experience working with a lot of juniors in the trenches who were not that explosive. And if they had a, a bevel five or bevel six grip, the ball just ends up kind of like spinny and with a lot of shape. And I think that's kind of the kiss of death at the pro level, at the high level. That can win in the juniors if the kid's fast and grinds well, they can win a lot of matches with that, that kind of spinny type Western forehand, but they're just not able to drive the ball with enough pace to have a big weapon down the road. So I think that's where the myth holds true and or the statement holds true. Uh, so I would just throw, I would just, you know, have you guys consider that if you're a coach or a parent or a player yourself and you're watching the show, you've got to be able to hit for big pace. And so you maybe need to go to a coach who, who can, has experience and can analyze your foreign and can tell you, yes, it looks like it's going to be okay or not, but you have to be able to generate a lot of pace. It can't just be all spin because all spin without pace, the ball drops short and it ends up becoming attackable, especially as players get bigger and stronger in the older age divisions, in the pros and things like that. Guys, if you have any questions about Western grip or uh, grip structures for kids and the forehand, just throw them out there in the comments section and I'll try to answer them as we go. So the other myth that I wanted to talk about, is it difficult to take the ball on the rise? And I think, again, there's probably some truth to that because when you take the ball on the rise, you have to, a lot of times it's shooting in low and you have to try to pick up the ball off a low ball. Uh, it relates to the myth of, is it hard to pick up low balls? It is, so it's difficult to take the ball on the rise, it can be difficult to take low ball, but again, even with those two myths, it's possible with the Western grip to, you know, to, you can work on getting low, you can work on dropping down with your legs, and you can work on getting under the ball with your, with your racket, even though it's a closed racket. And a lot of players, probably on the more talented side, can get away with that. And they can learn to handle low balls pretty well. So it makes me see a similar dichotomy, like perhaps with less gifted players, players who have uh, not as good hand-eye coordination, they probably would miss hit and struggle with low balls and taking the ball in the rise, taking the ball earlier. But you see like very gifted players like a Djokovic or a Sviatek or Nadal who are showing lots of success by taking the ball early, taking the ball on the rise, taking low balls off their off their off ankle height balls and things like that. And they're, able, they're so quick with their hand and they're so good with their hand-eye coordination that they can whip the racket head through and get under the ball really with no, no difficulty. So there is, it, it seems to me when you're dealing with some of these myths and these statements about the Western grip, there's some truth, but there's also another truth and it may depend on the, 
maybe the athletic ability, the gifts that the player has. That's why it's important to have an experienced coach sort of analyze the player and, and, and not just to change everything. So typically right now, at the pro level, or, at the, or in, in high level juniors, uh, when the kids are growing up, and they, if they're serious and they're interested in high performance, most of the serious coaches that I know will change a bevel five grip pretty quickly. They may even change a bevel like, a, like between a four and five, like the grip that Nadal has, the grip that Djokovic has, which is like a four and a half, kind of a, between a four and five, between a semi-Western and a Western. I've seen that grip getting changed all the time at, at clubs around the US. And I think probably to the detriment of the player. You see, if you have a player who's explosive and talented, good, good fast twitch, good eyes, good coordination, and they're ripping the ball with a, with a four five grip, with a semi-Western to Western grip, I, mean, I would prefer to leave that alone and just work with them, work on, work on getting lower, work on handling low balls, work on dominating with pace. And, and rather than messing with that thing, because a lot of coaches will just instinctively change that to like an Alcaraz, closer to like an Eastern or semi-Western, because they learned that in a course, or that's the grip they're more comfortable with, or they're, they're sort of beholden to some of these myths that I'm talking about. But I'm saying the myths are, are, have truth and untruth to them. They're, they are, they are it, it really depend, it, it depends on the player that you're working with and the athletic ability of the player that you're working with. I think that's what it comes down to the most. So I wouldn't reflexively and automatically change some grips like this. And what happens is when you, when you change, um, a, if a kid has like a great foreign, a really big weapon, and that's the way they hold the racket, sometimes you can doom them for the rest of their career. If you start futzing around, tinkering with their grip, you can really mess them up. Not just technically, but also psychologically, because usually, I'm very hesitant to change a, a forehand that is a dominant weapon for a kid because that, that is their go-to shot. That's the shot that they use to, to win all their matches with. And if you change that and you go through like six months of technical rehab or reconstruction, that can really mess with a kid's mind, can mess with their confidence. And confidence is not a, a, a small thing in tennis and it's not a small thing for an athlete. I would be very wary and very hesitant to change uh, a near Western grip like a Nadal or Djokovic style grip for uh, a player who is their best weapon, they hit it really well, they're explosive, they have good hand-eye, they can, they can orient the racket face very quickly to, uh, to the impact point. If they're able to do all those things and they're not mishitting that much, I prefer to work with it rather than change it just to keep their confidence going and not, not to risk you know, taking their best weapon and like performing surgery on it and messing it up. In my opinion, a lot of players can get ruined that way, both psychologically and technically. You may get the grip more conservative the way you want, but that weapon, I've seen it where that forehand is, it's not, it's never as good as it used to be. The, the way the kid did it naturally and more intuitively was, was better than, than the new one, even though the new one is more technically correct and more conservative. And so I think, you know, the coaches pat themselves on the back and they make those changes. But at the end of the day, I don't know if the kid got a better weapon out of it or not, or the time was well spent. It can be a big waste of time and can be a big confidence destroyer. So I would, you know, caveat emptor, you know, buyer, I would give that as a warning to you guys, you know. Um, 
watch out because if you start tinkering with the grip, especially if it's a, if it's a kid's great shot or an adult's great shot, you risk really, really uh, destroying their confidence and messing with their ability to hit the forehand in the same natural and intuitive way, which I think is dangerous. Now, it, it raises the interesting question because on, on a bevel five, which is a full Western, where you basically have like the index knuckle on the side of the racket, uh, typically, I, over, in past years, a lot of times I would try to shift that more to like a, a four, four, five, uh, semi, towards a semi-Western. But now, as I see Sviatek handling uh, the ball quite well and, and having so much success on the women's tour, it makes me think that maybe we should broaden our parameters. And as coaches, uh, as players, we should be more more accepting of a player who's willing to go, who, who feels comfortable playing at a, at a Bevel 5, which is a full Western. And maybe we should reevaluate uh, the way we, what the parameters are for an acceptable forehand grip and what will be successful at a high level. If some of these myths are not fully true, or, or if some of the, these myths are, myths are just like partial truths, uh, there's some truth and some not, then there's a lot of players whose grips we're all changing down in the, at the developmental level who maybe that's a big waste of time. They, they could be great players with the grip they have, uh, maybe even better players with the four and that they have without us messing with it. Now for a bevel six, which is the extreme Western, I have more concern because then I think the statements about more miss hits, more depth and pace, uh, difficulty on the rise, difficulty with low balls, I think those are less on the myth side and they become more and more of a problem. You know, the, the risk, the risk of all those things is greater the more extreme you go around the handle. And a bevel six is extremely, you know, extremely uh, far under where you have to really uh, contort your arm to get the racket face oriented square with the ball. And I think it, it, it's, it, it's harder to hit low balls. It's harder to hit through the ball. It's harder to hit the ball clean. Is it possible that there's a gifted guy out there who can play with a bevel six? I can't even think of many pros who ever played with a bevel six uh, extreme Western, like a Hawaiian grip. Beresategi is probably the only one. I think he played, I think he's the only one of the only ones I can think of. Maybe Jack Sock is close to there. Uh, but, you know... One other, one other myth, or quote-unquote myth, that I'd like to uh, discuss is injury. That if you use a Western grip, or the more extreme grip you use, it's going to cause more injury. I looked up the research on that, and uh, in the biomechanical literature, there is no evidence that the Western grip uh, causes more injuries to the wrist, or to the elbow, or to the shoulder. I think it's just pure... Uh, you know, hypothetical thought, you know, it's just, it's theoretical and we don't really know for sure. So there's no, there's no evidence that I found yet reading the literature. I'm going to keep looking because I'm, I'm studying biomechanics now in the kinesiology program in school. I think it's an interesting question, but certainly I think there's probably more load on the, the wrist and the, some of the forearm, the musculature of the forearm and perhaps the elbow, maybe, maybe slightly in the shoulder, but I think those risks are probably manageable. And you see top players like Sviatek, Djokovic, Nadal, who are, uh, have shown no injury in the, in the wrist. And uh, 
that's been sort of a myth, a quote-unquote myth, for many, many decades that, you know, going back into the 80s and 90s when players started playing with more extreme grips, you know, the knock on that was, oh, those players are going to get injured. It, 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 they're hitting heavy balls, but they're whipping the racket through, but they're going to get injured. It seems that that's not really true. Players are able doing lots of strength and conditioning. Players are, are able to keep their, their wrists and their forearm, their elbow, their muscles around the elbow, muscles around the shoulder strong. And the, those, those uh, joints and, and muscular tendinous structures are able to withstand uh, high loads, even, higher, even if the loads are, are somewhat progressively higher in a Western, semi-Western to Western to extreme Western. You know, it looks like the, the musculature and the joints of the arm and the lower arm and the wrist are able to withstand that, that those forces without high incidence of injury. I think we need to do some research on that on the sports science side, but I mean, that would be kind of where my position is at the moment without uh, more clear research. What do you guys think? A lot of people think, of course, it's going to cause more injuries, but I think it's not necessarily true. Again, the more you, the more you torque, the, the more you twist that, that uh, forearm under into the more extreme, like bevel six Western, I think the more, probably the more load you put on the forearm and the wrist, but Again, some, you know, the, the human body has an amazing organism, organism and, and the, the structures of the human body can, um, the soft tissue structures and the muscle and tendon and ligaments, they, they can adapt to a lot of uh, stressful scenarios. We've seen that in a number of other, number of other uh, modern, uh, in, in modern, in mo there's a lot of examples of that in modern tennis technique, you know, from the serve to the grips to the, to the, the, using the stretch shortening cycle for ATP forehands and backhands, you know, that there are, there are high loads put on the body, all the whipping shots and the way that uh, we're using the legs and hips to aggressively jump into the air and, and rotate. All of those extreme forces have been um, somewhat manageable with, with better strength and conditioning. And I think probably the same is true of the Western grip. Um, some of the advantages of the Western grip, a lot of people, we never talk about that. You know, coaches, parents, players, don't talk about the advantages of the Western grip, which are, the biggest one is the spin rates. You know, it can put a higher spin rate on the ball, uh, which is huge in today's game. You can attack someone with a high bouncing heavy ball and it can be a very effective strategy, especially attacking the backhand side of a player. Uh, especially attacking players who are not super tall. So hitting a heavy ball with topspin can be a very good weapon, especially in clay courts or a gritty hard court where the ball catches, catches, um, is able to bounce real high. So a lot of the surfaces now where the ball is bouncing higher. I think that's one of the reasons why the Western and near Western grips are working so well. If it was back in the 70s where most of the courts were grass or really slick hard courts and the balls were shooting through uh, with, uh, with a low bounce, probably players would be struggling more and more with those types of grips. But the way the game is structured now, the dynamics of the pro-level game have changed a lot. And uh, courts, are, courts, have, courts are slower. Courts have higher bounces in general. Even grass courts have, have they've slowed the speed and they've slowed the, 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 not the speed of the court. The surface speed has changed and also the balls have changed, which makes 
I think, a Western grip more viable in today's modern game. So that's also something to think about. At the high levels, the ball's not shooting through as much. Pace has increased, so you'd think that would be, that would make it hard to sort of uh, manage the orientation of the racket face, but it seems like great players like Sviatek, Djokovic, Nadal, and others have been able to mitigate that. They've been able to uh, ameliorate that possible uh, negative uh, aspect of the grip, and they're getting the racket head through quickly. They're orienting the racket face without risk of miss it, and they're handling uh, low balls when they come, and they get all the advantages of a Western grip, so they can handle high balls. You know, the ball is bouncing higher and higher nowadays with higher and higher spin rates, and the Western grip allows you to, to handle high balls a bit better than more conservative grips because of that closed racket face gives you more, more, more uh, strength and, and uh, uh, control on high balls and allows you to spin high balls better. So I think that's clearly an advantage of the Western grip. And uh, just because of the way that like, the palm is oriented on, on high, on dealing, when you're dealing with high balls. So that's a big benefit. The spin rate's huge. And one, one possibility that a lot of people don't realize is that when you have a very extreme Western grip, sometimes you, you don't have to change to go to your two-handed backhand. Not many one-handed backhands anymore. I think that's a subject of my next podcast where I'm gonna talk about the potential death of the one-handed backhand, but we'll get to that on another show. But, uh, you know, like for example, Jack Sock typically didn't, didn't change the, the grip when he, when he went over to the backhand side. He had Western grip and then he just used the same grip for his bottom hand on his two-hander. And I think that's a popular combination. It's a popular combination on the recreational level and um, probably to a, a smaller extent on the Pro Tour, but I think it's an potential advantage that a lot of people don't realize is that the farther over you go towards a Western or uh, towards like a bevel five or closer to a bevel, a bevel six, it, if you, you, you have either have a very small change to get to your two-handed backhand for the grip for the lower hand, or if, you have, if you're between like a five and six, you, you, some players will use that as their backhand grip and they'll have no grip change, which is a potential advantage on return of serves and dealing with fast incoming balls. So, it could be a small advantage there, like the way Sock innovated and, and held his, uh, his backhand vis-a-vis -vis his forehand grip. He didn't have a change, so, so it made it very simple to go back and forth, help them with return of serve. So that's another potential advantage. So guys, for many reasons, I think, we may need to think about whether uh, uh, bevel, bevel four should be the limit. Like we all, as a coach, myself, and. I know many coaches watch the show. Bevel four is typically, we see it as a problem. And, uh, you know, uh, we say, if it's past bevel four, we need to change. Everyone needs to be semi-Western, Eastern or semi-Western. Or we'll start the kids in Eastern and then they'll progress, you know, if they, if they slip, it'll end up semi-Western, which is the best grip. We always say it's the best grip. But maybe semi-Western is not the best grip anymore. Maybe for some kids, that, and some adults, they hold the, the racket more comfortably in the Western, bevel five, or maybe even sometimes bevel six, you know, which I, I think is still, for me, is maybe outside my own parameters, but you know, we have to be open-minded to the evolution of the game, the way the game is changing, the game changes at the high level with the speed of the balls, the way the court bounces, and that filters down to us as developmental coaches. We have to, 
We, have, we can't just teach the same way for decade after decade. We always have to evolve and, and stay on our toes and, and be a, have a good awareness of like what's happening at the top levels of the game and the top levels of junior tennis. When you see the number one player in the world playing with the Western grip, level five, and you see many top uh, two of the greatest players of all time playing with the four to five uh, near Western, you have to say that maybe this is a grip uh, my students can play with successfully. Maybe this is a grip that I shouldn't automatically, instinctively change in the students that I have in front of me at the grassroots level who are five, six, seven, eight years old. Maybe the little kid who comes to you and he's holding the racket with the Western grip, maybe you, we shouldn't always say to that kid, oh, no, 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 no good. You're not going to be able to be a good pro if you do that. You're not going to be able to play college tennis if you do that. I mean, you hear that, those kind of statements from many, many coaches. So I think it's definitely something to re, you know, we may need to reconceptualize the parameters, the way we see the forehand grip. And, and, and the limitations that we place on, on certain forehand grips. So I think it's something that is a very serious question for junior development. And I personally believe that a lot of kids underperform after the, someone has changed their grip. They hold, they're holding the racket very naturally. They are hitting the ball well. And if the forehand is, is their best shot and their best weapon, I am reluctant to go in there with my ego and with, I, you know, I know better, you're never going to make it as a pro or a college player if you have that grip and, and try to change something that's, that, that they, their bodies, they, they may know intuitively that's a better grip for their foreign than, than us. And so I try to respect that as much as possible. At the same time, this is just for me, you know, you guys are free to make your own uh, coaching decisions. For me, if, if I see a Western grip, something that's pretty extreme, and the kid's having some of those problems in, in, you know, that, that are myths, not myths, if the kid is, is, is shanking a lot, they're having trouble, they're losing a lot of points from frames. If the kid is struggling with low balls, if the, the big thing for me is the kid is not able to, to hit with pace. Like if they're swinging really fast, ugh, they're, they're, they're putting a lot of effort in the swing and the ball's just not running, the ball's not going, as they say in Spain, the ball's not running fast. That's a, that to me is like the biggest concern. That, that for me might trigger changing a grip because I need them to be able to generate pace, preferably without the maximum effort like that. Like with the Eastern grip, like a grip like Alcaraz, like a composite grip or semi-Western, it's just easier to hit through the ball and generate pace with, with a little bit less effort. So, you know, that's kind of how I see it. And that's how I sort of advise you guys to create your own parameters in a, a similar way. So what do you guys think? Should we reconceptualize how we teach the forehand grip? What, what are acceptable grip structures? Uh, traditionally, it's been at level three to four. And I suggested in a recent article for New York Tennis Magazine, I, I wrote an article on this uh, similar subject. And I said, maybe we should reconceptualize acceptable grip an acceptable forehand grip to be between a four and a five. Maybe five is okay because of the way the game is evolving and changing. You know, consider that for yourselves. I know a lot of coaches watch the show. If you guys are listening to this as a podcast, let me know what you think. Uh, maybe a bevel five. We've always we've always tried to change that, but maybe it's okay. Look at take a look at Sviatek if you get a chance. Watch some, watch her play. Watch how every commentator and analyst talks about her amazing heavy ball, you know, for a woman. 
you know, she's got a real heavy ball and she had such a big forehand. And why, if we have a, like a young girl in front of us, are we so quick to change that grip and say, no, that's wrong? Well, I'm glad no one changed her grip when she was younger because she wouldn't have the foreign that she has today, the, for, the foreign that everybody talks about and, and, uh, and uh, everyone's, everyone loves so much. So think about that, guys. Next time you have a kid in front of you, maybe it's, maybe it's one, if you're a parent, maybe it's one of your kids, if you're a coach, maybe it's one of your students. If you're a player watching this, maybe you've had a lot of coaches tell you that your grip is messed up and you're doomed to failure. Um, that may not be true. Uh, at the same time, you should have someone really good look at it because it could be a problem. And it might be, it might, the, the calculus may be that it's worth changing. Especially, remember what I said, if you're not able to produce a lot of pace with your Western grip, that for me is the biggest red flag. So guys, hope you enjoyed the, sh enjoyed the show. We'll try to get back on track. Got a lot of cool stuff happening in 2024. Want to wish you all a Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays. I uh, have a couple new book projects that I'm working really hard on. I've been coaching a lot. If you've been following my Instagram or my, any of my socials, the channel, you know I'm working with a lot of uh, talented young prodigies coming up. That's why this is the Prodigy Maker Show. And we'll continue to try to get more podcasts out. Uh, I'll try to update you guys on the new book projects that are coming out and, and that, you know, we have our um, training here that's happening every week at the club in Manchester, Vermont. So if you're, if you're a parent or if you have players who want, you want them to receive world-class training, consider sending them up here to me in Vermont, in the mountains. Uh, that's all year round. And then we have our summer camp. We're doing a busy, it's a busy time for signups for our summer camp. We have a high performance summer camp here in the beautiful mountains of Vermont. It's not a recreational camp, it's for serious players. We take all levels of players, but they have to be really focused and they want to have to work on their technique. And we train the Spanish way, with a lot of footwork and fitness and uh, high intensity. So if you have a serious kid who you want to send away for a summer camp or you want to come up as a family, we have lots of families visiting. I have a family coming to visit next week. Uh, we have families and players who visit from all over the country, especially in the summertime when it's so beautiful here. And you can bring your whole family up and your kids can train in the day program as well. So those are all the things that are kind of coming up. I'll keep you guys posted. Uh, thank you guys, as always. Uh, God bless, and I'll see you on the next program. So if you have a serious kid who you want to send away for a summer camp or you want to come up as a family, we have lots of families visiting. I have a family coming to visit next week. Uh, we have... Families and players who visit from all over the country, especially in the summertime when it's so beautiful here. And you can bring your whole family up and your kids can train in the day program as well. So those are all the things that are kind of coming up. I'll keep you guys posted. Uh, thank you guys, as always. Uh, God bless, and I'll see you on the next program. We hope you enjoyed the program. Please give us a five-star review on iTunes and recommend the show to your friends. We greatly appreciate your likes and shares. Thank you for your support of the show and for helping us grow our audience. If you would like to train with Chris, please visit chrislewitt.com for more info. You can also join Chris's online school, clta.teachable.com, and follow his blog at prodigymaker.com. A reminder that all show archives can be found at youtube.com forward slash Chris Lewitt.